0: So, uh, the Shenmue Three Kickstarter has finally hit um, eight percent of what it costs to make Shenmue One. But we did it, guys! We did it! We made it happen. I I, they found their
1: sailors. uh,
0: I it is my great nerd crime that I hate Shenmue. Apparently. Hello and welcome to I thought they smelled bad on the outside—a show that prefers social justice warlock, social justice warlock, because there's nothing quite as equal as your fate in the face of the roiling chaos of the outer dark. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, Daniel, and you know, if you go warrior you know, social justice warrior, you have to put too many stats into strength, and you're sacrificing from your intelligence and the wisdom that ruin your arguments.
0: Yeah, that that's also true. That is very true. Warlock charisma, right there. Key thing.
1: Damn. Yeah. You can get people to join your your cause without sounding like a crazy person.
0: Although it is still crazy, because, you know, we worship a tentacle god of equality, in a sense. Again, hey, Magnus is, is a great equalizer.
1: Hey, we're all equal. As food for him.
0: Exactly. He doesn't care. Literally, he doesn't. We are as ants unto him. Alright, so my name is Scott... <laughs> I am Dan. And yeah, late late show tonight. Probably gonna be a shorter one, but we're gearing up for summer of Mecca, so I kinda need something easy to edit and then maybe also sneak in an episode or two to fill out a backlog for September. We'll see if that happens. I haven't run a backlog on this show for years. It's stressful.
1: It's stressful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um but yeah, uh that that's what's going on right now. Uh E three is happening. I'm gonna say platinum one just because hey they're working. They have snuck into everyone else's games and they get to keep working. I like this.
1: Yeah, literally the formula last couple years. If you want to make it awesome, it's been kind of a dead franchise. Throw platinum at it. Now we get a platinum game like our Transformers game from Platinum.
0: Hey, we With haven't ha- we haven't gotten G1 a designs. yeah we we haven't gotten a good Transformers game ever really.
1: I, I don't know. The Cybertron games were pretty fun.
0: Uh I hate. Um, the guys who make it are just painfully generic about everything, so it's like, that kind of was a Gears of War game, except you were a truck. and Not even, like, a compelling Gears of War game. Like, why the hell does Optimus Prime have to turn switches? I'm Optimus freaking Prime. <laughs> like, uh, the, the do
1: needs 64 transforming components to it, because <sighs> we got to get that sound effect in there. Yeah,
0: well. Yeah. Um, I mean, you you say that, like, any licensed property is not going to abuse that sound effect. It's an iconic sound effect. I kind of want to meet the guy who created it, talk to him, figure it
1: out, figure out how we put that together. Isn't the same guy who did the little lightsaber sound effect? I Was it? It's... Was it Ben Burtt? Uh, no. No, wait. I'm thinking... I know. I'm thinking somebody else. Yeah, The like... guy who did the glowing effect. Helped out with the Transformers. Yeah. I can't think of
0: his name. Like Ben Burt has all sorts of crazy stories about coming up with sound effects. I'm sure this guy does too. I want to know it. But yeah, that's what I've been doing lately, but I'll also mention uh, that there's a Steam sale on, so my pick of the week is going to a game called um, Iron Cast. It is a match-three puzzle game, but it's a steampunk mecha roguelite RPG thing. But you you match the tiles and then you use those tiles to shoot the other robots. You have to you have to defeat the spe- the steampunk French. It's important. You know what's more obnoxious than the French steampunk French?
1: I'm just imagining the Louvre with like all those artworks and paintings with cute gears and pipes randomly. Oh no no around. the uh,
0: I you know what I'm gonna be super pissed if I ever get to the end boss of this and it's not the a transforming Eiffel Tower. <laughs>
1: with a tesla cannon on the top
0: yeah yeah just mount a tesla cannon on it have it have like the legs stomping up and down like a big spider i'm gonna be really sad when that's not the end boss <laughs> really sad <laughs> not that i'm gonna see the end boss probably this game's hard <laughs> it's like ftl you 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 just it, it gives you little pieces of candy after you die to make you feel make it feel like you've made progress but you didn't <laughs> just didn't all right what you got Dan?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with the new number one in the world for a box office opening, Jurassic World. Do you want to talk about watching the stink off of a franchise after two terrible sequels? This was the ultimate, like this is, as much as it's a sequel, it is also like a redo almost. It is. It feels like you're watching the same, the, the first Jurassic Park for the first time ever and like it's you you're seeing hammond's dream and then you're also seeing hammond's dream fall apart i like it
0: i enjoyed it it is big dumb fun i mean it really there's a lot about it that does not hold up to particularly close scrutiny but chris pratt rides a motorcycle through the jungle with his raptor bros
1: my argument is not valid (laughs) yeah i mean as as Easy as it is to see through some of the plot holes in this, like, you know, the obvious thing that, oh, yeah, Indominus Rex. Yeah, we're doing a new attraction. We're not doing this without any sort of military contracts in the background. No. no. Well,
0: you know what? I I almost feel glad. Okay, so a billion years ago when Jurassic Park 3 was a thing, they were going to do a fourth one where it was genetically modified raptors worked for the government, and somehow that was the plot. And I'm glad they kept that idea, but actually sort of made an entire movie to set that up. It feels a little more honest. But Yeah,
1: yeah and just a- I like what they did with the Raptors. You know, they've been the the scary-ass villains for the, the, the first three, and they're kind of unreliable allies, but they're still kind of, in a weird way, it's kind of like a Dragon Ball Z thing where they're the good guys now.
0: No, the Raptors are the good guys now. Now let's let the T Rex out of the thing.
1: Oh God, is it? Is it was like a WWE brawl, you know. You got the T Rex as you know your big heavy guy, like you know Triple H. You got the Raptor coming in as your quick dude, and then the the miziosaur pops out from behind the ropes with a chair and smack the Adonis in the back of the head from while well, the ref isn't looking.
0: It, it's a fun movie. You you should take some time to take some time to see it. I mean, yeah, the characters are terrible, but, you know, other good stuff. Other good stuff in there.
1: Yeah. If you haven't seen it, go see it. If you have seen it, go see it again and bring people who haven't. There we go. I think that, yep. <laughs> that, that wraps it I up. I think we can only sing his praises so much. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, you know, um, which I guess, speaking of things you should go see, where tonight's topic is Legend of Korra, seasons three and four. The ones that do it right. <laughs> Like, all the way through. Like, every episode is good. <laughs> There's not this middle period, of se- this first half of season two, where it's weird and bad. Or that last five minutes of season one, where it's weird and bad. It It's all good.
1: It's all good.
0: Took, took them a while, but, I mean, I think it took Clone Wars longer to get good, but...
1: Well, I think the other thing was they, they... got to do these two seasons back-to-back.
0: Yeah, they knew what they where... had, and they knew they could do it.
1: Yeah, because with season one, they weren't sure if Nickelodeon was going to give them a show, so they gave them 13 episodes. And then when they got to season two, it kind of stayed in production forever because Nickelodeon was dragging their feet on our broadcasting. And then, you know, season two kicked off, did pretty well. Nickelodeon gave them the green light for two more seasons, which they did back to back. And we got this overarching story, which really worked. Yeah,
0: there was some nice little bit of arc welding in season three that kind of, tied it all together at least thematically if not story-wise am i mean it didn't stop the network from finding yet another way to screw them over by pulling them off broadcast well launching season four without any promotion and then pulling it off broadcast anyhow for
1: digital only i thought they did season three early and then halfway through three to yeah, season three they that, uh they decided to go online only
0: yeah and then they brought it back to air for the last half of season four okay look i understand that australian television leaked a whole bunch of episodes for season three that happens sometimes spectacular spider-man they aired all 13 new episodes of season two in a weekend it might have been how i watched spectacular spider-man i'm a bad person
1: (laughs) well i mean but you you
0: you do your best to roll with it
1: yeah, the same thing has happened to other people, but worse. I mean, CBS's Supergirls pilot got released 8 months early.
0: You can watch the season 2 premiere movie for Rebels right now. Right it now. It happens,
1: guys. You you deal with it and you just go on.
0: You you do it and you go and you don't you, you don't be dicks about it. Like you you probably had a nice promo scheme arranged and that didn't. You you threw that out just for the sake of not losing ratings that you didn't really have to begin with. I mean, I I know this did this whole series was a terrible fit for your network and your demographics, and I appreciate that you let it run all the way to the end. Uh, unlike say Young Justice on another network.
1: You can't see it, but I'm just shaking my head in sorrow right now.
0: <sighs> Sigh. Okay, so season three, uh, we have we are introduced to yet another set of new villains. Except they're um, the guys that kicked the last season's villain out of the band before they made it big in this season. Whenever possible, I will. I should. You should describe villain groups as a band. It works. Band politics and Legion of Doom politics are very similar. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, they also tied it to the backstory a little of why Korra was like so protected at the beginning of season one.
0: Yeah, she seemed extra In secluded vet. compared to prior examples of avatars who just roamed
1: around learning shit on their own. <laughs> yeah, but you, you, get, you essentially almost I think with these guys you get like an anti-team avatar almost.
0: Oh no, I think there's there's definitely a deliberate parallel. I think you have sort of this idealistic leader, and you know different, you know, a a very varied supporting cast. And I kind of liked the moments those guys had. Um, I wish I'd gotten a little more or that I could remember Lava Bender's name ever. I can never remember his name.
1: All all I remember is his awesome moment between him and, uh, God, What it was when they got captured or when they captured uh, Mako and Bo. uh, Yeah, his moment between Bo and where he's like, okay, okay, I'm going to take a story guest on you two. You two have a thing for each other. You got your mustache early. And I can't remember what the third thing uh, was. You
0: were raised by an older sister, and you two have a thing for each other, but never really at- talk about it. It's like, well, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> no, I mean, those, they were a really dynamic, interesting force. They were, they, they were an interesting challenge for all the crew, and I like that Bolin continues to be awesome, because Bolin became my favorite character by the end of season four.
1: I just love it. like, he struggles for, like, most of the... Uh, he struggles, like, for the first half of the season. He's like, I want to wear a metal bend. Everybody else knows how to metal bend but me. Oh, wait, what did I just pick up in five minutes? Oh, I guess I can roll a bend.
0: Well, I mean, did apparently you? learning... Well, le- learning bending only takes, like, an afternoon if you've got the... If you have the potential. This is what the series has taught us the whole time. I don't know why only teenagers are super competent. Actually, that's another thing is... um. Season 3 and 4 kind of really broadened out the competence zone on the series where, you know, middle-aged and adult people could be competent and good at their job and not just disappear into the background. It, it's not just up to teenagers and old men.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got, the, you got a bit of a cameo from previous characters because you got, at least for season 3, you had uh, Zuko showing up. <laughs> uh, oh, oh mean, man, Zuko's so cool. <laughs> I love his conversation when they're going to check on the, the fire, you know, the explode, boom, boom, exploding head girl.
0: Combustion lady.
1: Frozen, yeah, combustion lady. And they're going in the elevators. like, her technique is similar to a man I once hired to kill the Avatar. Awkward silence.
0: It didn't work it didn't out. Work. It's okay. I tried to kill the Avatar too once. It happens. <laughs> I love that those two came back. Aubrey Foz is amazing. She should be in everything.
1: Yeah, but, uh, You you had multiple threads going at the same time. You had airbenders being reintroduced into the world.
0: I liked all those guys. (laughs) Give me more booty.
1: Your best friend is a bison. You get to (laughs) shave your head. You get to give up all your worldly possessions. You get to get a complete vegetarian diet. Uh, Dude just finishes it off a chicken leg and closes the door.
0: (laughs) uh, I I still love Ryu, who won't get out of his basement. (laughs) You have responsibilities. No, I don't. Look, I have responsibilities, and they mean. Then they say that you have responsibilities. No, you can just ignore it. That that's not how it works. Totally does. I'm going downstairs. <laughs> I also like the Earth Queen. She was an interesting mid boss.
1: Oh, like it was kind of interesting because they were like trying to build her up as like this side villain because she's like. I guess she's not okay with the deal for the colonies that was struck between the Fire Nation and the Earth Kingdom. Well, I mean, mean, there's a
0: certain amount of Revan-kissed sympathy that I can totally get. But at the same time, a hundred years, they're very different people now. Aang and Zuko made the right call.
1: (laughs) And then she just gets taken out on screen. No cutaway or anything. No
0: cutaway. No ambiguous death this year. It's like, hey, we're we're not on broadcast now. We we can get away with more stuff. Let's kill a character right on right on camera. Let's linger on the corpse.
1: Linger on the corpse. Yeah, we we can't force Joker, but we can suck the air right out of our lungs.
0: Yeah, close enough.
1: That was cool. Yeah, man. like that's the one thing I liked is like as more and more stuff with this the the Red Lotus comes up. It's like there was a constant like in those last. Five episode, a constant over a constant foreboding of dread. These of guys like, meant business. What are these guys going to do to get to Cora? They're going to either do some kind of hostage situation, which forces her to hand herself over, or they're going to do something so drastic that it's going to piss her off, and she's going to get clumsy.
0: And both happened.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, it, like that was like season three is just fantastic overall, and. I I enjoyed it immensely. I keep meaning to um dig into more of the extra stuff on the Blu-rays now cuz it's always interesting what they do have to say.
1: Um yeah, I think I seriously want to know their thought process It's like they they, they kind of went full empire strikes back that like it's not likely these guys are going to win, but if they do, it's going to be costly. Yeah. And the fact that it ends with Cora in a wheelchair
0: Oh, like, like that—that—that's the first time they left her hurt.
1: And and I think that that had a big impact on the character too, because she, like, before that, she was used to, oh, hey, I win, and in the end, it works out. But now it's like, hey, uh, I guess we won, but I can't walk. Yeah, because that... I had freaking mercury poured into my veins. Yeah,
0: like that, that ending is rough, and then we go into season four where everything's kind of not quite right. Like, no one, no one's in a good place at the start of season four. You have Korra, the pit fighter who can't fight, and Mako is now on bodyguard duty for useless royal guy.
1: Woo down! (laughs) Woo in distress! (laughs) I'm allergic to strawberries!
0: No, no, you're not. Oh. What am I allergic to? Bees. Oh, I always get those mixed up. Ah,
1: just, just... You, just, you just feel for for Mako, and then like, when, when they do meet up with Korra again, and it it's kind of a meet up of Team Avatar minus Bolin, because he's off you know, realizing Kovir a bitch.
0: Hey, he thought he was doing the right thing, and yeah. to an extent he was?
1: Well, he didn't see the back-dealing stuff that she was doing about Pretty much capturing bandits and then making bandits do bandit things to right. push the situation in her advantage.
0: Yeah, no, I mean he—he he was getting played. And hey, Varric's back. I like Varric. Varric's amazing. very and Bolin are a great comedy duo. I'm glad they found a way to bring them back.
1: I also like the Julie. Oh, Julie, Julie really got an really arc. I'm going to defect, but really what I'm going to do is I'm going to sabotage so your new grand weapon blows up right in your face and hopefully takes you with it.
0: That's what I'd like to do. That is the thing I want to do. (laughs) No, I mean, season four is just spot on. Just wonderful television beginning to end. Even the flashback episode, because the flashback episode manages to say things about Varric and Bolin and Mako that, um, you know, otherwise might not have been part of their characterization.
1: Well, I also give it... I, I just enjoy it as a cat, chance for the cast to kind of be, like, self-aware of each other. Like, when when Varric's telling the backstory of all the villains, and the villains do a, a freaking conference call with Vatu, he's like, hey, Vatu, are you going to hang out today? No, I'm still stuck in the damn tree. <laughs> I
0: Like... I like that he immediately conceives of it as a terrible, terrible pulp adventure serial. Like That is the only way he can process narrative is full of plot holes, but exciting and uh blockbustery.
1: <laughs> and then when he's telling the story to these escaped prisoners, they like his version better. Well, of course they do. He knows how to play to a crowd.
0: I mean, Bolin knows how to play to a crowd, but only in a sort of Republic City, the fans
1: sort of way. Uh, and like i I did like that like it just had this overarching plot with Kovira, like the only thing that I didn't like was she felt like such a cold heart bitch, and they, they didn't even seem to understand why she was doing it until like the very end there she oh, I have abandonment issues, and I feel like the Earth Kingdom has been abandoned, um okay.
0: I guess that's a so, thing. Uh, like that, that's the one it, thing. Like I almost like her as without that story, more without that story. We just see someone who will do anything for order. Like yeah, sac- sacrifice really her fiance. Fine. Burn, burn down six or seven villages, starve people, recruit criminals, whatever it takes for peace.
1: Build a giant steampunk death ava. You know,
0: build, build a doom robot. Who doesn't want to build a Doom robot for the betterment of mankind?
1: Uh, yeah, I just I, I really enjoyed her character, and then they kind of deflated when they did the whole abandonment issue thing. It's like
0: I'd rather have not had that at all.
1: Yeah.
0: Um so So in season three, during the Lost in the Desert episode, I made a joke that I am totally shipping Korra Asami now. And then that was the thing that they ended on, and I'm like, huh. Eh. You know, looking back on over the whole season and season three, I buy it. I'm, I, I can, I can dig it.
1: Yeah, I was a little shocked at first. Me and my friends were watching it together, and we literally did the whole Ember Island players bit of, wait, wait, did, did Korosami just happen? Kind of. You know, I'm not sure. It's kind of vague. But I no, mean, really?
0: <laughs> I, I understand that they had to be vague because I think a few months earlier, Cartoon Network. Put everyone on Adventure Time through the fucking ringer for saying they like, they all sort of liked the idea of uh, Bubblegum and Marceline being a couple. Not actually like spelling it out on the show, just saying in a panel that, oh yeah, no, the writers and the voice actresses and a few of the pro- and the directors all loved it, all
1: loved them as a couple. That was it. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, I felt it worked.
0: Like if you if you go over season four knowing how it ends, it's
1: like yeah, no, yeah, I can see that. Well, the thing was is in the first two seasons they really didn't get a lot of moments where you know they had the girl power team up, and then in season three they had the lost in the desert, then the rescuing of the airbenders, and then all this stuff fighting the red lotus. It it worked. I mean, it, it was told. <sighs> I'm just repeating myself over and over again, No making but myself it, look
0: an idiot. No, no, it's fine. It's like, it works. I like it. Um, I'm sure if they do sort of a season five comic, they'll make it a little more explicit, but <laughs> not that kind of explicit. Get your mind out of the gutter, listeners. That's for deviant art.
1: And maybe Pixiv.
0: Oh, Pix! I'm sure it's all over the Pixiv. I'm sure it's all over the Pixiv. But I don't know how to search that. I'm I'm bad at language. <laughs> <laughs> I need I need some Rosetta Stone time, is what it comes down to. But Rosetta Stone's like expensive.
1: Isn't it like four hundred bucks for a basic license though?
0: Um it depends on the language. I swear I think you can get like the level one courses for the European languages for two hundred bucks. Still not a great deal, guys. I mean <laughs> I get that you're super good at what you do, but could you cut me some slack? Just want to read about giant robots.
1: <laughs> or watch about giant robots and not have to wait for a fan sub.
0: Or, you know, maybe just not have to deal with Bandai's bullshit where they pull the US release for no reason after putting it in for no reason. It's a rant for later. Six weeks from now, probably? Six weeks. Whenever
1: you do the G Recco episode.
0: I'm, I, I, I'm not done watching G Recco yet, so I have to kind of power through ten episodes or so. Nine, maybe. So I'm probably going to have that last in the lineup of Gundam rants for the year.
1: Not that they're all
0: ranty. Mildly ranty.
1: Oh yeah, do you want us, Do you want us to mention the comics? Oh,
0: um, I guess, yeah. Because, okay, so, for some reason I can't buy a digital version of the Rift Part 2 in Canada. Because fuck Dark Horse. Fuck you and your entire concept of how internet works. So that's basically where I have left off is the Rift Part 1, and at some point I will have a library, you know, I will get to read the rest of it, because I want to know how the Rift ends. I do. Before the next comic series starts, because they're still running,
1: right? Uh, Yeah, I believe in September they're doing, I think it's called Fire and Ash. Um, From what I understand, a bunch of Ozai supporters try to stage a coup against Zuko while Aang is visiting. I,
0: yeah, I could get that. That is a thing that could be... That that sounds like an adventure.
1: Well, they kind of set it up in the Free comic book day My Story. Okay. Which they've not done anything with in two years.
0: Uh, you know, it takes a long time for these to come out. <laughs> yeah, okay, it's Smoke and Shadow. That's coming out September, December. Smoke and and September, December, and probably like February or something.
1: Yeah, it has it closer to March. These things always have seem to have a three-week, a three-month gap.
0: Yeah. So there we go. That uh, uh, so uh, the search ended nicely. I liked how that finished off.
1: Oh man, that was compelling read. Oh my god, like I finished volume one and I'm like, no, you can't do this.
0: Can't make, you can't me, make wait. me wait three
1: months. You can't make me wait three months. I gotta know.
0: I guess I had the benefit of getting an advanced reader of the library binding of it, <laughs> which, you know, the library binding's is nice just because you get all three in a nice hardbound, but they keep insisting on having comments from uh, Girihiru, the artist. He, does, he is not good at commentary. He is like, this is fun. This bit, this bit was fun to draw. That is his comment every time. Like Yang and DiMartino occasionally have interesting things to say in the comment sections because they they don't actually expand it to fill the massive legal pad size. They just leave the page the same and have the writers and the story credits kind of come in and leave notes in the margins. And the marginalia is just not worth the price.
1: Yeah, a book that size definitely works more for the art of each season.
0: Oh, no. And the marginalia in that is amazing
1: i just i I really don't think that works when you're trying to read something with a narrative that you wanna to turn to the next page and not stop and see the author or the artist's comments on a frame where Sokka spits water out of his nose
0: yeah i I don't know i've I've read really good um Sort of, I've read, I've read really good annotated editions of stuff. Um, I know annotated comics tend to actually just have a section at the back where it's an annotation of the script. Like if you pick up uh the Arkham uh, Serious House on Serious Ground anniversary issue, uh, or anniversary reissue, uh, you have the original script with um sort of red pen under each line from Morrison, sort of digging into different things about what he's saying and what he thought at the time and how the artist ended up interpreting what he wrote. And Morrison's not on drugs right now, so he's relatively coherent. Morrison cycles from straight edge to not pretty hard and pretty far. It explains a lot of what What? he writes.
1: Well, after all, he did write the Sun Gods of Kansas book or whatever, didn't he? Yeah,
0: well, and that's actually a really great book because it breaks down what he was on at what points in his career and now it all just makes sense. (laughs) <laughs> His whole career makes sense when you know what drugs he was taking or not or in withdrawal from, <laughs> but okay, so the rift starts with um ang and Toph having a fight with about you know progress versus tradition, and I should mention that Toph comes back in season four and is still um awesome,
1: oh God, we totally forgot Toph. oh so, my god how like we... she she's there oh. for three
0: episodes, and it's brilliant.
1: She's oh, the exact man. same,
0: but a billion times better because she's an old lady.
1: <laughs> I, I love that after that, um, that uh, <laughs> I love that after that, that her daughters are like, "Oh, come on, mom, you're one of the greatest metal biters in history. You could k- totally kick her ass." Are you kidding? My back is screaming right now.
0: <laughs> Look, I'm an old lady. I can beat up the avatar still, but giant robots is a whole other scam.
1: It's kinda of weird that like she went like full Yoda and now she doesn't just have earth sight, she also can like somehow tap into the spirits of the trees and, and the spirit vines and see the whole world.
0: Well, I mean spiritual potential is seems to be independent of bending options, so like, you know, Iroh who can hang out in the spirit world and have tea parties.
1: And Well, that's just because of Iroh and he respected the spirits and everything too.
0: And he respects tea. Respect the tea. <laughs>
1: Yeah. But... Oh. Oh God. That was a hilarious meme when uh, Carava's like in her doomsday machine, and somebody's like tea, ma'am. Or no, it was she, they were on that the magra the maglev train or whatever. Yeah. And her fiance's like tea, and she's like none for me. And then it cuts to like Iro from from season two, and he's like, I already don't like this like, woman. I do not like this woman.
0: Like that. That's the <laughs> cue. That's the first cue that she's not gonna be the good guy for the year is that she doesn't like tea. 'Cause everyone else respects tea. All the characters we like. Respect and appreciate it. She probably likes hot leaf juice. <laughs> uh but yeah, the rift, um it starts and then I guess Toph has to confront her dad with things. Again, I haven't read it. <laughs> for the first past the oh, first third.
1: Yeah, it's it's really good. I think it definitely it definitely suffered from that three week there the three month release schedule because you kind of get to, like, a real high point when they cut off to these cliffhangers, and then through those three months, you kind of forget what happened and get focused on other things.
0: There, there's been at least two the... comiXology sales that you should you all half regret, except, oh, man, so much
1: Batman. <laughs> yeah, read through a couple volumes of Ultimate Spider-Man that were on sale. You know, it's life. And then you come back and you're like, okay, what? Oh, yeah, that's right, Toph's still dealing with their stuff with their dad. There you go. But I definitely like what Dark Arts is doing. I hope they do more. And I do kind of hope that they don't just do season five, hand quotes, of Korra. But I also, I kind of want them to do, like, the grown-up years of Team Avatar, where Toph is just starting her police force. Aang and Katara are expecting their first kid. And something comes up that they have to, the team has to get together.
0: Uh, Yeah, no, I can definitely see them continuing to roll with the original Team Avatar characters. You know, I would not say no to Korra Season 5 at some point, but I think there has to be the right narrative for it, and I think Season 4 kind of closed off everything much more so than, say, you know, like the original uh Last Airbender, you know, you had a lot of plot threads left dangling, Zuko's mom, but also, you know, you have a liberated Fire Nation colonies that you'd have to figure out, and you have a new Air Nation to build. Like, there's a lot of stuff that you can play around with, more so than, um, perhaps, the end of Korra, where it's just like, uh, I mean, the spirit world is there, and Republic City is weird and half-destroyed three times over. And uh, Mako has to figure out what he has to do now. <laughs> Are is is, yeah. is what's Bolin gonna do? Is he is he gonna go back to bending? Is is he gonna go back to you know the movers?
1: What's he gonna do? I get the feeling that Bolin and Mako would be probably advisors to Wu on stuff. Well, I
0: could see Mako in Wu's court pretty easily, but I'm like, Bolin could go anywhere again because he
1: just seems to end up anywhere. Oh, you know what? You know the one thing I want to see if they do do like a season five of Korra or like a later years? I want Varric and Julie's kids.
0: Oh yeah, no, Varric father. I want to see the that
1: happened in those two genes combined.
0: Varric, fatherhood with
1: Varric. <laughs> Okay. Hey, look! I made an automatic diaper.
0: <laughs> Please don't put <laughs> so that on the show. I don't have to change me. it
1: myself. <laughs> I could totally see that. Like Julie is now the inventor, while Varick is the house. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, Cora, it, it's not something I would recommend trying to, be able to get people in as their launch point. I would definitely try to get them through a couple must-watch segments of the Last Airbender before. Getting people in the Korra.
0: Look, if if season one, if the end of season one or the first bit of season two left you sour on the series, come pack, come back to it with season three. Come back to it with season three. You won't be disappointed. And season four just manages to build on that in great ways yeah it it it's it's a rough start, but I think I think this half definitely redeems the whole run, and I'm glad to own it all and I will heartily recommend it to anyone who wasn't sure that already has seen airbender
1: yeah do not wait on this do not make it oh sorry, do not make it like those hard to find uh season collections of the last airbender that everybody clamors for whenever a restock comes in.
0: I got really yeah, lucky. I got all three boxes for like fifteen bucks each. I don't know how that happened.
1: I got them for about eighteen each at a sale on a Best Buy.
0: Yeah, I think I think it was a Best Buy sale, but I'm just like, okay. I'm 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 just walking through the aisles. It's like, oh, Best Buy anime section. You are sad and lonely. But hey, you have Airbender oh. for fifteen bucks. Yoink.
1: Yep. But yeah, grab it. Find any official merch you can. Support it. Let these guys know that aside from Nickelodeon's questionable business practices, that you still support them? Because I I, I seriously get the feeling that the whole Kurosami thing was pretty much, to quote what you said back a couple, uh, I think it was the Hobbit episode, they uh, played bongos on the producers' heads and lighted effigy of SpongeBob on fire on their way out.
0: Oh, I could not imagine, like, I can't imagine these two guys coming back to Nickelodeon.
1: I mean, not just the shit that happened with Cora, but all the stuff that were Nickelodeon almost canceled Last Stairbender after season two. They all get shot by lightning, and they're gonna leave it there because what do we want? We want more SpongeBob. Oh, I, I just, I mean, I, I'm great. It's got to be something that like producers change throughout the runs of these shows. Oh yeah, that there was a there was a team of producers that were all on board, and then. Somewhere along the line, somebody got promoted to another position, or moved over here, or 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 whatever, and then they get these guys who probably could care less about their programming and want to play favorites with these other shows. Well,
0: cool. and Nickelodeon has a weirder business model than some other TV, where they they break their demographics down differently than, say, Cartoon Network, and that that's helped them in a lot of ways because they don't necessarily uh gender their audience i know um the focus groups they, they were really worried going to folk going into focus testing with cora because it was a female protagonist and would they get boys but it's like no she's a badass kids everyone loves her <laughs> but um i think the fact that cora ended up skewing much older like and i mean there's tons of nickelodeon shows with a periphery demographic but when the periphery demographic eclipses the what they think the main one should be it's it's a tricky business situation and i appreciate them being able to recognize that it's profitable on streaming profitable on home video so let's just finish the run we promised these producers and uh you know we'll call it a day
1: yeah it it's definitely the the model of of uh, what's the term i'm trying to think of Animation as the medium, not the genre.
0: Yeah, I get, I get what you mean. I get it is, it is just you decided to paint pictures for your story instead of put actors out, and you can tell yeah, a lot. Special
1: effects would be way too much. Well,
0: yes and no. It's this weird thing where ev- animation, everything costs the same, whether it's uh, you know a suburban living room or a uh, top secret jungle lair. So, you know, going crazy costs the same amount of money as not going crazy. So, but that doesn't make it cheap either. It's it it is just broader uh, in that sense. Um, uh, uh, I yeah, didn't... I mean this is it is I you know what Young Justice died because it the demographic wasn't what Cartoon Network wanted and that was the end of it whereas Korra got to live because they saw the demographic was supporting it in some way?
1: Well, I think the other thing was is they actually, they officially the dudes who, the two main dudes actually put this picture on their Twitter or this post on their Twitter feed that if you were 12 when Aang first came out of the iceberg and you were watching Korra at the end of season 4 that you were the same age as Korra.
0: Yeah, and no, I think they knew that going in that like even the ads for season one, where you have like the the like the the ten year old wearing the bison hat, who's now fifteen and still wearing the bison hat, they they knew they they were kind of pulling a Joe Rolling and letting that demographic grow up with them.
1: And I think that's the one thing that kind of helped Cora over Young Justice is Young Justice was a whole new launching pad already in that that area of storytelling. Yeah. Whereas Cora grew to that after they already had their childhood with the Last Airbender.
0: Yeah, no, and I totally get it. And I uh, I like it when you can see a franchise grow up with its characters. I also think that, um, like, I, I think it's astonishingly nifty that, you know, someone could have followed Peter Parker from being a teenager through college through married life in a albeit slowly and the fact that they keep trying to force him back is kind of a problem that maybe Marvel editorial doesn't realize is
1: there. Yeah, but that's Spider-Man, that's a whole different show. Oh, yes,
0: but Marvel editorial versus Spider-Man comic readers is a different thing. That's a different show. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, this 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 series neither Airbender nor Korra has ever been afraid to just treat its audience with respect, and I'm glad that it. the audience respected it in turn. I'm glad that it. I got all of it. I like having my little row of DVDs and Blu-rays now. And if they want to give me another one, well, hey, I'll buy it. Screw Dark Horse I, uh, and your inability to understand the borders, though.
1: Just get the physical media.
0: I'm trying not to buy physical books. I'm oh, grumpy.
1: But honestly, for me... I look at Airbender and Korra combined as pretty much this, I get the the aughts into the 2010s, Batman the Animated Series that eventually matured, and Batman the Animated Series and Superman the Animated Series, which we all have nostalgia for, that matured into the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited.
0: Yeah, and much like Batman the Animated Series, if you go back to it, the vast majority of the episodes hold up pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Although it's weird to notice like animation gaffes in Batman that you know you 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 just sort of forgave on broadcast TV in the 90s. It's like man, there is a lot of cell dirt. The the Batmobile is surprisingly flexible.
1: Well, you also can kind of tell when the back artists put up uh, put their uh, f- fists down because they're like, dude, I know that the whole mystique is do this art deco on black and do the ba- black paper, but this shit's getting toxic, man.
0: I I am I am hopped up on paint paint fumes so bad today,
1: dude. I I seriously gave an a, an idea to Paul Dini for for a a, a scarecrow episode because I think I'm having one of his trips right now, man. But yeah, it's I I would hazard to say that it is one of the best animated franchises in the last 15 years.
0: Oh yeah, no, definitely definitely gonna be a standout for cartooning. For a good long while.
1: You know what, not just anime, just a good
0: damn show, period. Like, good good adventure fiction, good setting, I love the... F- and you know what, I, I'm almost tempted that they get a chance to do a third series and pull a Mistborn where they do get to do a sci-fi space-age show with bending.
1: <laughs> Behold, gravity benders. <laughs>
0: Oh, God, they could do it, too. Even just having them bouncing around on the moon with shit would be rad.
1: Instead of firebenders or or lightning benders, you have laser benders now.
0: Plasma bending, man. Plasma bending.
1: (laughs) I'm pulling a solar flare from the sun. Well, where is it? Well, we can't break the limits of space time. It's going to take a bit to get here.
0: Look, just give me, like, eight minutes. I'll get it here. (laughs) Yeah, no, um, I like Korra. I like all of it, even the rough bits in the middle. Go check it out if you haven't yet. And that's an episode. And your final thoughts, Dan?
1: Yeah, like I said, it's one of the best anime series, let alone stories. Period. If they don't go space age, I wouldn't mind a a maybe like a short sixty minute episode, like set in modern day, like bending in the nineteen eighties or something.
0: Keep on bending in the free world. <laughs>
1: There's a new Cold War between the Fire Nation and the Earth Nation. It's up to one Republic City cop who's out of control. Uh, there we but go. Yeah.
0: Make that happen.
1: And that's it. Yep. That's all I got. Uh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside.
0: I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside is released under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial share-alike international 3.0 license. Visit sbopodcast.com for more shows, contact information, and show notes. Thank you.